Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. My friends, welcome back to A Life Invested. I'm so grateful to have you all back here again. It's been a couple weeks. I was in uh, Florida with my sweetheart and uh, kind of getting back into the swing of things when, when we got back home and we've been all over the place with the holidays, but I just can't tell you guys how grateful I am to have you here. Really, really excited for my guest today. Um, I've known this uh, gal for years and years. She comes from an incredible family and is just as good as they come. Her name is Ashley Shepard. And uh, she graduated from Brigham Young University in Family and Consumer Sciences with an emphasis in secondary education. Um, after teaching high school for a few years, she left teaching uh, behind to launch Shep's Culinary Creations. It's a full-service catering company, and she did that in 2012. With the growth of her company and her love for the wedding industry, she teamed up with Natalie Maybe to build Riverbridge Event Center in 2020, and I am absolutely positive they're just crushing it. Also during COVID, she partnered with Zane and Fallon Hansen in uh, developing recipes and launching Blocks, B-L-O-X, desserts, Blocks Desserts in American Fork, Ashley is the author of Blissful Bites, a recipe book featuring full-size recipes that can be adapted into bite-sized portions. Ashley's passionate about creating delicious food that brings people together. I've tasted their food and it is very, very good. So I'm impressed with her and uh, what she's doing and just the life that she's built. Uh, you can check out more of Ashley's work on Instagram or visit Shep's Cafe to see her work in action. Um, Ash, before we get started here, I wanted to ask you if, if people are wanting to learn more about you, your businesses, what you're up to, and follow along, where's the best place for them to do it? Sounds like Instagram's good. Where else? Yeah, if not on Instagram, definitely Facebook, but our websites really have the majority of the information for our company. So that's where I would go is the websites. Awesome. What is your website? So for Sheps, it's just www.shepsculinarycreations.com. And then for Riverbridge, it's riverbridgeeventcenter.com. And then for Blocks Desserts, blocksdessertbars.com. Pretty easy. I love it. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. That's per And uh, Blocks, just to be clear again, it's not B-L-O-C-K-S. It's B-L-O-X. So cool spelling. Blocks. Yes. B-L-O-X. Yep. Good deal. Well, well, Ashley, welcome to uh, the show. Grateful to, grateful to have you here. Thanks, Raj. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like we've known each other for a really long time and a lot of our goals have, have really aligned in what we want to accomplish in life. So it's fun to get together and talk and, and just become better and help others become better. I love that. I agree with you. There's nothing better than doing that. I think it's uh it's part of the reason, I don't know, I think in entrepreneurship, I'm sure you would agree with what you're doing right now. The goal is to really make an impact on the world, to do some good and to help people uh, realize and achieve their potentials, whether they're individuals, uh, that are working for you or people that are benefiting from your product, you know, in the economy. And so it's a, it's a lot of fun. Like you said, I mean, the money's kind of just a byproduct, everything on the side that comes in, uh, being able to help is the most, uh, meaningful kind of piece of the puzzle here, which is awesome. Uh, tell me really quick and the listeners, what got you into what you're doing? Yeah. So I would say probably, well, probably right around the time you and I met junior high, high school, um, I really just loved the idea that food connected people. And so I would make cookies on Sunday nights and deliver them to different kids at the high school. And 
you know, just, I loved the connection that that brought, you know, most people don't turn you away if you're showing up at their door with a plate of cookies. And so from there, I think my love of food and connection to people just, it just soared for me. And I just knew that I wanted to use the talents that God gave me to connect with his children and also just help them like enjoy the moment and enjoy the, the relationships that you can create through food. And so that's really where I started was just like in high school, having those small moments with my own peers. That's amazing. Yeah. Food is, uh, I think it's one of the best things that we've got going for us here in life. And so what a great way to kind of connect with people and uh, yeah, change the world. And you're certainly doing that. And right now people are going to, I mean, if they want to go taste out, taste chefs, they're going to the Oaks golf course, right? That's where you guys are kind of, primarily headquartered or do you have a separate location too yeah so the oaks um chefs at the oaks is seasonal so we're only open when the golf course is open so the golf course is closed so you couldn't come right now but we are actually headquartered out of riverbridge event center so that's where our main commercial kitchen is located that's cool and you guys do catering too right people could hire you hire you to do catering if they needed an event yeah. Yeah. That's that. So that's what Sheps is. Sheps is a full service catering company. And then the cafe is kind of a byproduct of that catering company that we're open seasonally for that. Oh, that's amazing. Really, really cool. Well, again, I think I mentioned this in the intro, but their food's amazing. So if you need anybody to cater your events, pick these guys. Uh, they do a an exceptional job. Um, so throughout your life, did you always want to be an entrepreneur or was this something that kind of came up as you discovered your love for food and the way it connected people? I mean, did you ever imagine you're going to end up where you are right now? Oh, you know that, I think that's the hardest question that I get asked, especially being a female, um, in, you know, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think that there's a lot of, and this is kind of this, when we talk about shame and, and we go down that route, there's a lot of shame that can be associated with women entrepreneurs and um, in religious culture. And I think for me, I knew from a young age that I would always be an entrepreneur and a working mom. And I think that I just learned and I'm still learning, right? We're all still learning, but I think you learn to adapt and you learn to just be okay with kind of the plan God has for you and not necessarily like your own plan. And for me, I just feel like there's ways that he needs me outside of my home um, just as much as he needs me inside of my home. And so it's kind of an interesting thing, you know, like I, I just think I've always known that this is what I was meant to do. And learning to be okay with that role and that responsibility has been an interesting journey. Yeah. As a mother and, and as a, a woman inside the LDS church. That's amazing. And do you feel like, um, kind of the, the shame associated with that comes from the fact that people expect you just to be like a mom, right? So being a working mom or, um, kind of pursuing the entrepreneurial route, is that where it, it was kind of tricky in the beginning? Yeah. And I, well, yeah, I think that's, what's tricky in the beginning. And, and I wouldn't even say that, that that comes from church leadership by any means. It, it doesn't, that shame doesn't come from church leadership. I think it's a, a shame that women uh, place on themselves. And I know for me personally, it was, um, or it is, you can't do both. 
right? You can't be a successful businesswoman and also be a successful mother in your home. It was like, it, it's a constant battle of feeling like you have to choose one or the other. And I think that's where the, the shame um, creeps into a, a lot of women, you know, that work or women that are entrepreneurs, whatever that looks like, women that are outside of the home. That's where that comes from is you want to do both great and you want to succeed in both. But um, our minds tend to work against us and and create shame in in thinking that we can't do both great. Yeah, I really like that perspective a lot, too. I think um, in life, whether it's in this situation that you're currently in or in other choices that we all get to make in life, people believe there's this um, or there tends to be this uh, traditional like mutual exclusivity in these binary choices. And what I mean by that is they're like, I can either have this or this, but not both of them together working symbiotically towards something really meaningful in the end. Right. And so, um, I, I agree with you completely. And like you said, I don't think the leadership at all kind of dictates this feeling of like you shouldn't work, but sometimes culturally it's this feeling of like, ah, man, am I, am I doing the right thing? Um, and I think it's so cool. I, I, I really, really respect individuals that are women that are in the entrepreneurial world while being mothers because it's a lot of work. Um, it's a ton of work, but I believe that they have, you probably feel so much purpose. I mean, you're, you're teaching your kids what it looks like to work hard, what it looks like to set goals and achieve goals, what it looks like to build something meaningful and to give and to serve and to make the world a better place with your product. And in my mind, there's really nothing better. I mean, that, that it, it works very, very well with the role of being a mother, right? Uh, teaching yeah. your kids how to build something and how to give back. Uh, so I, I like that, Ashley, a lot. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I think it's important too, you know, there, there might be some of your listeners that are, that are not working mothers, right? Outside of the home, um, but that they are working hard inside the home. And I think that that is really important as we just in general, as we view the world and we and we look at those around us, that there just is no judgment. Right. There's no judgment of, you know, you have a purpose outside of the home or you don't. Right. It Everyone does. Everyone has a purpose. And sometimes it it is inside the home. And I, I really, really respect women that um, or or males, you know, or dads that that choose to just raise their kids and be at the in the home all the time. And so I always, I feel like I've had the judgment the opposite way, you know, uh, feeling judged being outside of the home. And so I always am very aware of like women that stay in the home, you know, that I never want them to think that I don't think that they have a purpose, you know, because they're not working. So I feel like sometimes you always want what you don't have. And, and I think that's a balance of trying. It's really easy to look at others and be like, oh, you know, Ashley, she's a great, successful businesswoman. She's doing this and she's this and she's amazing. She has all this and I just stay at home and I have no purpose. And and I, I never want someone to look at me like that because on the opposite side, like I value so many of my friends um, and I choose to be their friends because they are stay at home moms because they teach me other things. They teach me the importance of you know, showing up to the kids' school to serve or making the little treats that go in their lunchbox, you know, like things that don't necessarily come natural to me, come natural to them. And I, I just love that we have so much to learn from each other if we're willing to be open and honest in, in relationships to build each other up. 
Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point um, that you're making too. I, uh, and let's see if I can, because I'm excited to kind of dive in a little bit on this subject. I, I think as we get older, um, we have the same rudimentary needs that we've always had as children, as we become adults, but our minds, if we choose, um, become more open to ideas that are different. Uh, you know, then, and it's good that that's the case. We learn that it's okay that people come from different backgrounds. It's okay that they don't see things the way that we see them and that they have different glasses on with different viewpoints of life and paradigms and it enriches our experience and betters us as individuals. And I love what you said, there's never any need for judgment. Um, you know, a lot of times people may say, um, I mean, in, in life in general, people tend to kind of categorize their life as the correct way to live. And they look at other people on the outside of that life and say they should be doing things my way. When it's it's so much better and you live a, a more happy, meaningful, purpose-filled life when we are able to take off the traditional glasses we've worn for so long and try to put on a pair of somebody else's life experiences. Um, and it creates a feeling of empathy and love and appreciation for the experiences that somebody else has garnered. And I love that you shared that, you know, in your life and in your business, these other women that are stay-at-home moms are accomplishing incredible things. And should they want to start a business, they can and they have that choice. But if they get a lot of purpose and meaning out of being just at home, then that's amazing too because everyone's experiences are so unique, individual, and and different. Is that what you're trying? Is that about right on? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So I yeah I love I, yeah I just love the fact that um, we have so much to offer. Every single person has something to offer somebody else. We just let our own selves get in the way of that because we're afraid. And I think when we are willing to just step outside and and express and show who we really are people learn and people grow from our experiences regardless of what those look like yes i agree i agree now i one of the things that i loved before we hopped on the show today we had chatted a little bit and you wanted to talk just a um a little bit about vulnerability um i really like this subject a lot and and i want to hear your thoughts on it the reason I feel like vulnerability is so important as we kind of dive into this subject is it's what allows us to connect um, with other humans. Uh, it's, it's interesting, like whenever you're meeting with somebody and if you, were, if you were to say to somebody, hey, today was really hard because everyone has hard days and no one can be tricked. I mean, everyone has hard days. And if you went to somebody and they said, oh, that's funny, I never have hard days, like my life's perfect, it would immediately create a barrier between that individual and yourself and you wouldn't want to share your experiences. Whereas if we have the ability to get vulnerable and show our weaknesses and they're like, man, today was hard and this is why, if we can get there with them and say, yeah, I feel that same way and I've had that same experience, that really sucks, doesn't it? That's really, really hard. Then people tend to want to open up. And I want to hear about your experiences in your business and how vulnerability has affected the outcomes that you've been able to achieve. Yeah. Um, so yeah, one of the things I, I love about vulnerability that you kind of mentioned is 
it brings people to the same level. So in terms of leadership roles in, in businesses, right? Um, a lot of the times your, your, your boss, your manager, your CEO, whatever that looks like, right? Sometimes naturally they're on a higher plane, right? They're managing all these people. So they're the boss, they're the top dog. And I think what happens when that type of leader, you know, we call them highly effective leaders, right? When that type of a level five leader can be vulnerable um, and, and really connect to their staff or their employees, they become on the same level. So, so that leader not only becomes a boss, manager, position holder, but now they become a person, right? They become a human. And when you can connect at that type of level, you can motivate and encourage employees to exceed expectations set for them because they want to, uh, what's the word? Like they want to impress or they want to, you know, hit the goals set for them because they have a connection to their boss. They're not just setting it for, you know, or they're not just meeting their goals to hit numbers and to do things like that. Not, not necessarily out of just self accomplishment, but it becomes a team accomplishment at that point. And I think that's really what binds, uh, employers together with, you know, everyone in the company is when you have a team goal and you're all on the same page, your employees want to exceed, like, or, you know, exceed the goals that, that were set for them because they, they know that like, it, it's a team effort at that point. It's not like, Hey, I'm in this for myself. Nobody cares about me. I'm going to do it because I want to prove to them that, that they're this or they're that or whatever it is. But when you can connect to them at that personal level and be vulnerable, those employees, they want to do anything it takes to make the company succeed. And I've seen that in my own business. And uh, like one of an experience that really comes to my mind is we had a, a company or a holiday company party a couple of weeks ago. And I got talking to, to one of my staff and, you know, we talked about some, some family things that were going on and, and she just said, hey, it really sucks. You know, it sucks that this is what's happening to my family. I, she's recently divorced and kind of explained some reasons that, you know, the divorce happened. And I could tell, like, in that moment, she was embarrassed. You know, she was embarrassed that she was kind of telling me this. And maybe it was because I am her boss, you know. But not even, you know, 20 seconds later, I was just like, listen, I totally understand. I totally get it. Like, I have addicts in my own family and I know what that looks like. I know that the, how that re like affects relationships. I know that how it affects marriages. I know how it affects children, you know, of, of those people that are married that have addiction, you know, and all of a sudden you could just kind of see her whole countenance be like, Oh, wow. Like she really understands, like she's been through this. And I just feel like every time I have those moments, I have those small little moments with different staff all the time. And when they can just see me as Ashley and they don't see me as, you know, Ashley CEO, whatever crazy powerhouse entrepreneur, whatever they think, when they can just see who I am, really, we can connect. And then all of a sudden they're like, I want to do it for the both of us. It's not just for me anymore. And I love that about vulnerability and leadership positions because so many times, you know, a lot of leaders, I'm not saying all leaders, 
a lot of leaders are red personalities and red and red personalities. We don't like to be vulnerable. Like that's not a natural thing for us because we're driven by power. Really? That's how reds are. And so I think it's something we really have to learn to be effective leaders is come to your employees, come to your staff at a level that they can connect to you in very personal ways, but you have to learn to open up and that's hard, huh, Raj? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. It's something like you said that, um, I think, I think there are so many rewards on the other side, um, of paying that price for people. So I think a lot of times what, what, inhibits an individual from opening up is this sense of pride. Like what is somebody going to think of me if mm -hmm. I share with them my imperfections where the amount of mental growth and development and relationship cultivation that awaits on the other side of just getting real with people and being authentic is worth way more than any amount of, you know, harboring, pride you know that that ever could could be there right it's, it's it's so much more powerful to just get rid of an individual's ego and just say i'm here with you and i'm here for you and i think too i never the, the word ceo doesn't really mean much to me at all um frankly i and i mean i'm being totally honest i don't think it's, it's it's like oh that's cool they're a ceo that doesn't mean anything to me at all it means more it's more of like what impact is that individual making on their organization the people that they work with, not the people that are working for them, but the, yep. the people that are working with them. And what impact are they having on the rest of the world and their communities where they choose to reside and society at large, you know? And I think uh, in, in my opinion, and I don't know, I think we probably share the same, um, you know, ideology here. I think that the, I think leadership is just like a really fancy schmancy word for servant. That's like, honestly, I mm -hmm. think that's all it really is. Right. So in my, in my opinion, like I tell my people, I'm like, I am here to work for you and work like, like I, I, you're not working for me basically. Like I'm here for you. I'm serving you. You tell me what I can do for you to make your lives easier and better. And I want to find ways to pay them more. And I mean, Payroll is like the most exciting, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars go out in payroll every month. And I I love it. I think it's the coolest thing ever to watch it. Um, and I love watching people earn it, you know, and grow through these experiences, which is awesome. And I noticed too, you mentioned uh, a level five leader. I was wondering if you had came up or if, you, if you're borrowing from Jim Collins um, idea from good to great. Is that what that's from? Yeah. Yeah. So that reference is uh, from good to great. Um, I, I just love the idea that there's so many different types of leaders and to really just yeah. to really become a level five leader. Vulnerability is is really a key element to that. And I, I think you're on the same same um, page as I am. I'm not I mean, I follow you, you know, obviously on on social media and stuff, but a lot of my employees are millennials or Gen Z, I would say probably 95% of my employees fit in that realm. Um, are you similar to that? Are you about that same percentage? Yeah. 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 And what's really interesting 
is when you do a little bit more research about Gen Z um, and millennials, you and I barely are millennials, I believe. We're more at the, the top of the end of millennials. Um, but it's really a movement of expressing emotions. You talked about this a little bit earlier, expressing emotions and being open to new ideas and open to people who don't think the same way you do and all of that, where our parents' generation is actually very opposite of that. Um, and like growing up, you probably were similar this way. Like my parents totally loved me and cared about me, no doubt. Like they're amazing people, but it wasn't necessarily like, hey, let's talk about how you feel. Let's talk about how this made you feel. You know, like there wasn't like this emotional, like all about feelings, you know, and, and really Gen Z, like that generation specifically, they thrive in that type of environment. Like that is all they want is for someone to connect to them at an emotional level. And so knowing that right about my employees and, and your employees i feel like i'm constantly aware of like making sure that i'm always checking in you know how are you feeling how are you doing what you know how's life how how's this situation and how's this and it's just really interesting to me that when you give someone a, an opportunity to speak like their heart tells you all you know like or or their mouth tells their mouth tells you what their heart feels in those moments. And I, I just love that. I love that there's always a way to build people up. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the company that you're running, right? It's all about just like helping an individual overcome something that's really just weighing on their shoulders. And so I love that idea that this, this new generation is all about connection. I do too. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And even though, um, previous generations weren't um let's see the best way to say it uh weren't like conditioned to share feelings the way that newer generations uh, upcoming generations have been i think they still because of human psychology still really appreciate being able to to share their feelings even though it wasn't normal i mean you talk to some people that are older and it's just it's almost like, man, this feels good, you know, like it's, and it's okay to, it's okay to get um, real with people. Uh, and I think, I think it's very funny. I think as a kid in elementary school, like me and my friends, it's like hanging out in a sandbox with Tonka trucks or whatever out on the soccer field or playing basketball or playground or whatever it is. And we all wanted the same things that we want now, the same exact things. Nothing's really changed. The only thing that evolves or changes as we get older is our mindset in an outward way to being to being willing to accept and filter through information that's received and deciding how we want to use that information to better ourselves and better the world. And but but we all want the same stuff still. Like we want to feel like we're included. We want to feel like we're loved. We want to feel like people see us. There's this idea of mutuality, which I think is very interesting. Like you'll notice kids, I was with my nieces last night and I noticed it. It's like they were making, it was like popcorn with jello and stuff with it. And, and the whole time it's like, look at me, look at me, like, look what I'm doing, watch what I'm making. And it's, it's funny because as people, as children become adults, they want the same stuff. They still, it's like, 
we give away trophies. People win like 40 under 40 or 30 under 30 awards for like recognition and, and uh, not, all, not all that changes. And so I think we can use those principles, those psychological ideas in helping people understand how important they are, how valuable they are and how special they are to us and the impact that they are making in our businesses to change the world. You know, like we can use some of those psychological ideas and say, man, thank you so much for what you're contributing. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and being willing to, you know, change the business, right? To make the world better. And it just feels good to do those things. You know, yeah. it goes back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's super cool. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I think that's why, uh, you know, highly effective leaders, they do praise their team because really their team is what does all of the great things. They're, they're just there to help them and, and support them. And, and one of the things I love about uh, Brene Brown and, and something that I adapted from her a while ago is any, so I hold uh, one-on-ones once a month. So all of, all of my managers, um, I hold one-on-ones and we do a couple different things, but one of my favorite things is to pose the question, what does support look like from me to you? What does that look like? Because there's a lot of times that, that you can, you can look at your staff and say, Hey, you know, so-and-so I can tell they, they need me to encourage them or so-and-so needs me to show them how to do this correctly or whatever that looks like. And you might have those own ideas in your head, but when you ask them, what does that, what does support look like to you? You know, I've been shocked a few times by the answers that, that they say to me, you know, I'm always like, you know, they need me to be their cheerleader and they need me to just like encourage them. And they needed me to like, tell them that they're amazing and they can do awesome things. And, and I think I am good at that. Right. Like, I, I can encourage them. I'm like, yeah, let's be positive. Let's do this. You know, but I had a girl sit across from me not long ago and she's like, I support to me looks like you criticizing me and telling me how I can be better, not just being positive all the time. And at first I kind of was like, oh, like really? Like I want to be positive. Like I want to tell you all the good things, but in her mind and in her personality, she was like, hey, I want you to help me be better, not just necessarily always encourage me that I'm doing all these things right, but like really challenge me and push me to be better. And so it's interesting as we become, you know, better leaders, really are, or sorry, as we try to be good leaders, our staff in return helps us to be better leaders because they can, they contribute so much more to us than we really ever do to them. And so I love, I love that about just being an effective leader. Really, it's your staff and your employees that make you an even better leader. And so I don't know. I, lo I love that, that it is all about them. It's all about the people that, that help us be better in our companies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's this idea of reciprocity, which is one of my favorite words. I think it's super cool. In the book by Bob Berg called The Go-Giver, uh -huh. um, there's this idea of being willing to give and getting back is just like a natural occurrence that stems from being willing to give, which I think is very cool because, you know, um, in, in it's a law of nature that we all observe and readily experience when we give. People can't explain why it's the case, but things just come back. But whether people call it 
I, I don't know, karma or reciprocity, yeah. whatever they choose to call it. Like it, it happens. Uh, and so, and you notice that with your employees as well, like you're saying, um, you invest in them. And this whole podcast is based around investing in people and assets and ourselves, which is good. And that's one thing that I've noticed provides one of the biggest ROIs as a business owner is investing in people as the largest asset um, that we have. You know, like I think a business becomes a passive cash flowing asset when the people inside of it understand that they have meaning and purpose and value to the organization, the team, and you as the business owner and leader. And so it's really, really cool um, how that works. And I've noticed, I wanted to say one of the things that you mentioned I thought was really important was, and it was really hard for me. I mean, very, very hard for me. And I sucked at it really bad in the beginning. And it was um, holding people accountable. And I've learned how important that is um, because I like to be positive. I think it makes me feel good. Um, and with so in the beginning, when I had started my first company, Tuple, there was, uh, we had like rules for the sales people to make as far as calls, right? Going out and, and reaching out to people and cold outreach. And it was, they had to hit a certain number, which I don't like anymore. We've changed all of our parameters around how people are contacted and what's going on based off of what I've learned because I was so bad at it before, which is awesome. So learning as you go, figuring out what works and what doesn't. But I found that what, like just what you said, what my people wanted so badly was me to actually hold them to a higher standard, which was very challenging for me. So what I used to do was people would, you know, it was like, hey, you need to be getting 50 calls a day. And somebody would come back making 10 or 20. It's like, ah, oh, hey man, no problem. Good for you, thanks for trying. Give it another try this today, right? Like let's let's push hard to do that again today. Um, and they come back, it's like, oh, I only made 30. Oh dude, that's a bummer. Uh, no problem though, I like, keep trying. You know, you can do this. and. What, what I found is that results weren't where they needed to be um, and people didn't grow as, as much as they had the potential to grow and it can affect culture. Um, and so now it's very, very different. It is, here's the rules. This is standard operating procedure if you're gonna be working with me on this team and we hold a standard of excellence. There is no mediocrity here. So here's the deal. You have to hit this number and if you're not gonna hit that number, then you're out. Like just period, right? It makes it really easy. I love you like crazy. You're an amazing person. Doesn't mean we can't be friends, but you can't work here unless you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do. And they get it's, it's not like it's like hard and fast, like you're gone. It's like, if you don't hit it, we need to sit down and figure out why. What's the reason here? And it's, it's a, an accountability conversation. Is that true for you too? Oh, a thousand percent. What's funny, Raj, is I, I feel like, maybe people don't call you Raj. I do because we've known each other so long. Um, I like that the best. Yeah, that's the best. Okay. I'm like, I, I feel like all your people are going to be like, why is he calling him that? Um, no, I think we're very similar and, and I, I have to laugh because when you talk, I feel like, man, he's just saying everything that I've like experienced myself, you know, is I, a lot of the reason, um, someone doesn't become a better leader is because they're worried about what could happen. So in, in your circumstance and in my own, it's like, well, what will happen if I hold my employees accountable? Are they going to be mad at me? Are they going to think I'm not a nice like, boss? Are they going to think I'm, I'm an unkind person? Like there's so many thoughts, right? That shame, it goes back to the shame process of like, how, what are they going to think about me if I hold them to this high standard? And so 
we almost get inside of our, we get it, you know, we get in our own way of being effective leaders because we're worried about what they're going to think. But one of the things that I love that, that helped me hold them more accountable is the keep, stop, start. And, and doing that every month, you know, in our one-on-ones. And so we just start like, that? I, I don't know what that is. What is that? Okay, so it's a, and yeah, for, for all the listeners, like this is a great system to start doing if, if you don't currently do it with your employers or employees is when we meet one-on-one, the very first thing I say to them is, what should you keep doing? Like, what are you just crushing the last month? What did you do? Like, what should we keep doing? Oh, I should keep, you know, keeping my food cost at 27%. I should keep getting, you know, hitting my goals of contacting 10, 10 new clients this week, whatever that looks like, right? We talk about all the things they should keep doing. And I think number one, it's you have to do that because before you're going to start talking the nitty gritty confrontational stuff, you've got to build somebody up. You can't just come, you can't bring somebody in and just start ripping them apart, right? Like that will never work. Your leadership, like it, it just won't be effective. So we talk about the things they should keep doing. And then we move on to, okay, what are things you should stop doing? Like, what should you stop doing this month? Hey, stop, you know, wasting time on the computer, you know, or, or stop, stop trying to reach clients that we're just never going to get. Stop, you know, making an effort to whatever that looks like, right? Every company's different. So, and then after that, then boom, here we go. We're setting new goals. What should we start doing this month? I want you to start contacting these people. I want you to start doing this. I want you to start. So we call, I, I don't know if there's like a proper term for it, but we just call it keep, stop, start. Um, but I have found that when I keep them accountable to those every month, they come up with the, they come up with their own things that they should stop doing. They already know. Like, that's what I love about it is, it's not even necessarily me holding them accountable anymore. It's a, le- it's a level of, they hold themselves accountable now because they know they're going to have to sit with me one-on-one and answer those three questions. And so I love, I love the whole accountability thing, Roger, because it is hard. It's hard for me because I just want to be so nice all the time. But then I'm like, I'm doing them a disservice. If I don't hold them accountable for certain things, they won't grow in a way that I know that they can and they have the potential to. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, what you said is so meaningful, especially to any business owners that are listening right now in our group. It's sometimes too, we have the thought of, you know, what if I have to let this person go and I can't find another person? And so maybe what they're doing is better than me trying to manage stuff in their role and wearing a bunch of hats, even though they're not filling the shoes the way they need to be filling them. And that's not the case either, right? Like I think one of the things that's important is understanding that there's always a way, always a way like to make things work uh, really, really well. And if, if somebody's not, there's a great book called The Energy Bus or, or in Good to Great. Um, Jim Collins talks about having the right people on the bus and getting kind of the flywheel turning. And some people are like pushing the flywheel the opposite direction which is hard. Um, and it doesn't mean they can't be really, really great in other organizations. That's the coolest thing. Like maybe they're not a good fit in yours, but in your particular organization, maybe they're actually pushing the flywheel the opposite direction while everybody else is trying to get it moving. 
And so you can do all you can to try to help them and say, hey, no, we can't be doing that. Or I love you so much and I want you to be successful. And But eventually, I think one of the things that we can we can end on this note, but one of the things like I I've changed a lot from being a little from when I was little in, in, in ways that I feel like have been very meaningful um, and I'm grateful for them. I'm very, very grateful for them. I had a really tough time as a kid saying no to anybody or anything. It was just like, do you need? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. like What can I do? Um, I'd love to do it. And what I've learned now is that we have to be very, very intentional with our time and with our bandwidth of what we have the ability to accomplish. And so I set time aside. Uh, like my days, I live by my calendar. And uh, like the other day, somebody wanted to go to lunch and talk and I charged them five grand to go to lunch. And the reason for that was because I recognize there's a lot of value in, in my time. And it feels good to understand that it's not like it's, 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 uh, and it was a very meaningful thing. And the individual that we, I went to lunch with, thankfully, I, I, he gleaned a bunch that'll make him a lot of money in the future, which makes me so happy for him. But we learned that our time is valuable and it's much, much better to be able to say no, right? To something like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Or if somebody is like, well, you know, I'd, I'd love to, I, I, it's kind of this idea too, is we are, our, 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 um, Cash goes kind of where energy flows and we have to choose, especially because as business leaders, we're juggling a bunch of different balls at the same time, family and church stuff and money stuff. And when all of these external sources start trying to throw balls into the mix that they want us to juggle too, for them, we have to be willing to say, no, I can't do that. I've got these things here. I can block out time if you want to come into this little circle. But you've got to understand that time is very, very valuable. And that helps with employees too, I think. And it's kind of part of that accountability. And one of the things that's really, really helped me grow mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, as a person is just being willing to say yes to the right things and absolutely not to, to other things that, that could distract. You know, distraction is like the, the largest enemy to progress and opportunity. Um, Man, I want to keep chatting with you. This is a really great conversation. But is there anything that uh, we, we're, we're about uh, finished up here on time, but is there anything that you would like to share before we finish up, Ash? I'm so grateful that we got to talk today. Yes, I'm so glad that you, that you had me on the show today. I think if I could just tell anybody listening, there's so many people that want to be an entrepreneur or that are trying to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and feel like they're failing. I know that there are so many people out there that, that have those thoughts. And so I would just encourage them to keep trying, you know, don't let your own fear get in the way of the success that you can have. And I think when we do that, um, great things happen. You know, when we can just put that fear aside and put ourselves out there and fail and fail and fail again, but you just keep trying because success will come. And, and it comes in small doses and in small moments. And then, and you look back and realize how, how far you've come and you just realize that it's all worth it if you can just hold on. So all of you entrepreneurs out there, just hold on, keep going, keep listening to Roger's podcast and you'll be full of all these little nuggets of wisdom. Oh, you're so kind, Ashley. Thank you so much. I, Really, really um, feel so thankful uh, to have you on the show and really appreciate 
you and your time and your expertise and everything that you're doing to make a dent on the world in, in a positive way. Um, maybe to piggyback off of your last statement there, for people that are in the world of entrepreneurship, that are starting their own business, um, I think it's a really, really important to understand the power of belief and under and recognizing that uh, I think sometimes people start a business and they have this um, this incorrect assumption that things have to happen now and they have to happen really, really quickly. And if they don't, then they've done something wrong, uh, which is not right. Um, that's that's not true. Um, one of the things that's important is to actually the very best entrepreneurs, they're not like Tony Stark in, in Marvel's, you know, Iron Man. It's where, where it's just like, um, his world's just kind of crazy and everything's happening. Like it's very, the best entrepreneurs, if you study their lives and what they've done is they've been very, very intentional about their time and they're visionaries. They know how to, they know how to be mindful about the world around them. They know how to think, they know how to create with their mind first and then realize what they've created in their mind and bring it into existence by their actions instead of just like rushing. So a lot of times people think like entrepreneurship is just like running around all the time and going bonkers and not knowing what to do. And that that makes up an entrepreneur when it's truly just the opposite, right? It's actually like I take, this is me being vulnerable. I take a long tub every single day. Winston Churchill took two tubs every day or almost every day. People didn't know that. And he didn't really start his workday till about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And he's arguably one of the world's best leaders. And the reason I do that is it's a great way for me to just completely decompress and yeah. breathe and think and strategize. And I've got back in the back, it's kind of blurred with my camera. But you see um, on that little bookshelf there, there's two chess pieces um, that represent like strategy, right? And it's And you can't be strategic or intentional or mindful about any decision if you're using a ready fire aim approach to your business, it has to be, all right, what are we doing here? And it's okay to move slow. And it's okay to actually think about these decisions and put people where they're going to work best. And, and so I loved, I loved what you said. I think, you know, a lot of times too, in people's beginning months or years of business, they feel like they feel like they failed if they haven't hit a certain you know, number or if they're struggling and it is the struggle, it absolutely is the struggle that makes a man or a woman successful and failure is a major component to success. And so people should never stop when they've failed. I think they just need to get back up and believe that they have all of the potential in the world to accomplish incredible things. Um, so thanks for your comments, man. They, this has been an amazing uh, meeting and I hope I hope everyone who listens today uh, learns some really really important, you know, kind of like nuggets of wisdom that'll help them in their lives. But thanks for thanks for being on the show, Ashley. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It sounds like we need to uh, partner up and have some type of business meeting here at Riverbridge. We need a we need to sponsor something you do so that you can sell a bunch of tickets and people come to a live event here. Let's do it. Hey, I would love it. that. That sounds super good. <laughs> okay, well, hey, really, really grateful for you. Thank you, Ashley. You're welcome. See ya.